Hello, everyone, and welcome to Cricket Ultras. My name is Arun Sudhaman, and joining me is a man who also left his last leadership meeting feeling like Superman. It's Darren Burns. I did, actually. I, I always feel like Superman. Yeah, I, I like to take on the feedback, and I walk away, and I just feel like I'm just you know a new person. But you know, then I always wonder, I do have my kryptonite, right? You do, and, and is that what? Is that Usman Khawaja or...? Yeah, it's probably it's Usman Khawaja or Toasties in Pockets. You know, it's erroneous reporting of the Bangladeshi song on the Cricket Australia website. Yeah, a lot can get me going. So there's not there's not one kryptonite as in Superman. There's a lot of lot of kryptonite actually. Kryptonites. It's kryptonite everywhere you look. The poor Justin Langer. We'll get to him later. Also with us is a guy who would like you to know that this very much is his backyard. It's Toby Doman. Hello. How are you? Good. No <laughs> Good response setup. at all. Look, I come in the, back, the backyard. Yeah, the backyard stuff. Um, not quite sure where we're going with this. I break your fucking arm. <laughs> well, there's a bit of needle, and I'm sure we'll get to that. Well, I'm sure we'll get to that, won't we, with, uh, with India and England. Lots of needle, uh, lots of threats. It was all good spicy stuff. I love it. It was fantastic. Yeah. it was. Well, we can start there, shall we? England-India test match series where they play a test match every three days or something. Five test series. Second test exploded into life. The first test was interesting, but washed out the fifth day when it was quite delicately poised, which was a shame. Second test exploded into life. I mean, just really dramatic final day. And I must say, I was I was rather surprised uh, to see England snatch defeat from the jaws of victory. Toby, what did you make of it all? Well, it was great, great test match, right? First and foremost, that's the most important thing. It was really pulsating uh, second test at Lords and India absolutely pumped to come out and win that. And pumped is the word. And then Kohli is, you know, Virat Kohli is a, is a high energy individual that we all know this. Uh, and you alluded to some of the, the back chat that seemed to have spurred India on to win that, uh, second test. Um, it wasn't too bad the back chat, but just as a, an aside, you know, I mean, this is, this is not your backyard. This is not white ball cricket. It's not exactly going to strip paint off, is it, in terms of the language? But, I think boring big mouth. That was the one for Ollie Robinson. <laughs> good one. Could have, could have inspiring been, Could stuff. have been worse, uh, given his back uh, recent troubles. Anyway, um, on the pitch, I think uh, the emotion that Coley is able to channel and fire up his bowlers in particular, um, and then this lower order, I think, in their second innings, was the difference between the two sides. And I think the key bit, and it was a pulsating match, but the key, the key part, I think. For me, it comes down to the episode involving uh, Jasper Bumrah and James Anderson, I think, on the third day or a 14 or 13, third 13 day. Yeah, third, third evening, yeah. A 13 ball over, um, which in itself. Uh, 10 ball over. 10, 10 ball over. Let's not get carried away, oh, Todd. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Settle down. It was, Settle it, down. It was a, lot, a long over <laughs> at, at, at Anderson and causing Anderson to be pinged on the helmet, I think, and, and hitting the body a few times and. And this goes back a long way. Anderson's got a history with India and, and a number um, push, pushing Jadeja, I think, at Lords last time India were in town. So there's a lot of needle between him in particular. But Bumrah going after him caused England to lose their head, I think, in, the, in their um, at, attempt to try and knock over the, the Indian tail by going after Bumrah and Shami, who decided to smash a 50, I think, in the second inning. Is that right? He did. Um, 
and <laughs> completely lost the plot. Well, I mean, he decided to. Uh, we we all decide to score fifties, right? But completely lost the plot. Uh, and yeah, that was his second fifty ever. I mean, he's a pretty poor and batsman. What, you know, what are you doing? So, yes. You know, so basically, England's emotion uh, bad. India's emotion good. Uh, Joe Root very very poor in that session, trying to you know, put three men on the boundary and try and get. So that was the difference, that that sort of interplay between the emotion of getting annoyed with Bumrah's body line stuff and, and not being able to knock over the tail. And England's batting is so br- brittle at the moment anyway that they really didn't have enough in the tank. So congratulations to India, fine performance from the bowlers in particular. I was very impressed with Siraj as well, who's also a very high energy man. Um, and they deserved it overall, but it's a great, great test match. Yeah, I was surprised to see India kind of win the, I suppose, the sort of the emotional battle. I've seen Indian teams lose those many times. Um, Darren, what did you make of it? Look, I think they won the emotional battle in Australia last time as well. So I think they've got used to winning using emotion. And what I mean by that is I think in previous overseas tours, they perhaps didn't have the personnel to back up the claims they'd make or they'd get into stouches, but they actually couldn't do much about it because they couldn't deliver, whether it's through skill or aptitude, Right. But now they believe they have the skills and the aptitude to deliver. So actually getting them into a stoush with the team plays into their hands. And I think we saw that in Australia big time. You know, the whole Gabba thing about Tim Payne said to wait till you get to the Gabba, mate, you know, to um to Ashwin. And then, you know, India flogged Australia at the Gabba for the first time ever. And it also happened at Lords, right? We don't often see it's your losing side at Lords against against India. So I, I think they, they sort of use that emotion. They feed off it in a, in a positive way, as Tobe said. They can sort of rally that, but they also have the skill to back it up. Like, if you look at the second innings, there was a lot of skillful bowling there. It wasn't luck. It wasn't, you know, just emotion. It was good bowling. Whereas if you look at what England lost, totally lost the plot on that last morning. I mean, they almost came into the day. And let's be honest, the match was evenly poised. Uh, I thought England were ahead on the final day. Well, it's, it's the last day at Lords too. It was, a gloomy, it was an, a gloomy and overcast, right? We thought Rishabh might do a bit better. We thought, he, let's say he scores 40 or 50 with a tail. Right, I thought it might have got up a 200-plus lead. If it was 220, 230, I think they still might have got over the line. But you know, after their first few deliveries, they just spread the field. They had no slips. They were trying to bounce people out and bowl slower balls. It was a weird thing to Jasper Brummer, who averages 1.5 in test cricket. I mean, why don't you just bowl properly at him? Bowl the stumps, right? You knock him over. It was just a bizarre way of trying to get them out. And they, they lost the plot over this James Anderson, over Jimmy Anderson being bounced. Um on the third day, it was really weird to see. It was clearly unprofessional. I think they really lost the plot, and I wouldn't blame Joe Root only for that, right? I mean, you've got seems senior bowlers like Jimmy Anderson have been around for a long time. They should have had a better plan to get these tailenders out, not bouncing them and bowling all over the place. It was a bizarre run of play. And full credit to India, though. I mean, they let's be honest, there were some good shots there as well. I mean, Shami played some nice cover drives uh, and little dinks and stuff. So you once to get your eye in, you know, it's hard to get out. So I, full credit to India, but. But England really lost the plot on that last morning. It was really surprising, actually. It's weird because you'd think a team with Joe Root, especially Jimmy Anderson, who's played so many test matches, and even though Jimmy you know, does like a, a, a word or two, uh, particularly with the Indian team, I've, I've found. But he, you know, he's such an experienced campaigner and he, he delivers on these, in these conditions and in, in these situations so often. He bowled two overs and was taken off and was replaced by Mark Wood, who was injured but he Mark Wood was was just there really to bowl fast at and and short pitched and and everyone was standing on the boundary I mean it was, it was really odd I totally agree but your point Darren that you can't win a test match with uh, with just aggression alone right you have to 
you have to be very skilled, especially to win. I think. As a- I think it reminds me of the Australian team, sort of in the you know the nineties and two thousands. Like they'd often get into stouches, but they could back it up, right? They could actually sledge and you know do it because they had the skill, right? Where I think India is doing a little bit now. They have the skill to do it. Yeah, play uh, to, to their the other team on the back foot. Yeah, play to their strengths. Um, they they had the skills. I thought particularly Bumrah seemed to perform much better when amped up, which is not something I've really seen before. He's always seemed quite docile out there, but his bowling was was a sight to behold. And and on a, quite honestly, his batting he seemed really charged up. You know, he was turning down singles. He was he was really kind of well. They were saying that, they, that, that the guys were doing a lot of the tail end were doing a lot of batting practice, like leading into the series yeah, as well, because they, right? they knew. I mean, no, but I think they probably have been, and they probably knew that this was going to be, you know, a threat for them. If they could score 10, 15 each or whatever it is, right? Yeah. Um, that's going to help the team a lot. And it was impressive. The other thing is we, we, we sort of underestimated a little bit is the huge Indian crowds we get in England and also Australia. I mean, that that's support-based. You can feel it. And, and Coley, honestly, I think he really feeds off that that energy of the crowd and he fires up his supporters and they get into it. And it's sort of, it's this, it's this kind of flywheel that goes on, right? It's just this kind of, momentum's there, the emotion's high, the skill is there, and then the crowd is up and he just gets them into this kind of vortex of, of excellence. It's, it's, almost, it's almost Trumpian in its strategy, almost. You know, he knows, he knows <laughs> throws some red meat to the base. He loves it. And uh, I, saw it, I saw one of the wickets go down. I saw Coley turn, turn to the, the new Compton-Ettrich stand and do this sort of, obviously this is a podcast, but sort of shaking his fists in a sort of triumphalist way. And I was like, who are you doing that to? But there's a huge Oh, yeah, crowd. he loves that. He feeds huge, off huge it. Huge, crowd. And he feeds off it massively. And the fifth day, often you get a higher Indian proportion of spectators at Lords because they, you know, in the fifth day, a lot of people will turn up because uh, tickets don't go on sale until, what, the fourth day evening. Um, and you could tell there was a bigger proportion on that day. And the ECB did a great thing where they, I think they threw it over for 20 pounds. 20 quid. On the last yeah. day, which is awesome. If you've been in London, it would be a great day to go and watch cricket, right? It would have been amazing to be there. Some great images, I thought, from this test match as well. Just a, a lot of fun. I mean, I thought Virat Kohli, when he was doing the declaration, he kind of emerged in a cloud of cologne. <laughs> did you see that on the, bar- yeah. <laughs> on the balcony? I wonder if he was, that was a sponsored thing, a la Steve Smith. <laughs> did, he, did he put something on his Instagram? What, uh, so any good. idea what fragrance the captain uses? I don't know. What do we think? Musk, we musky. Think? I Something musky, it's... I think. There's a, there's yeah. a weird one I want to see last time. No, it, there, was a, there was an ad on this for, what was the name of it? I forget. It was an Indian brand. It was on Root. every single ad that I was watching the cricket. No, it was an Indian brand. Oh. Um... Fog. It was called <laughs> Fog or something. F-O-G-G. <laughs> Fog which of is war. weird, right? Fog, Fog of war. Fog. <laughs> yeah. Well, as we know, he's a well-known endorser for Himalaya. Uh, and I think they probably have a... A well, he probably endorses or two. a bunch of stuff, doesn't he? Yeah, and then I liked um, Hasib Hamid doing up Jasprit Bumrah's shoelaces right at kind of the. Didn't he look like a deer in the headlights? The poor guy. He looked like a kind of. He looked like a kind of seconds batter coming out to have a bat on the big stage. He looked like he just looked all out of sorts. I mean, when he came and made his debut, it was quite hopeful, wasn't it? He did. He played quite well, but he just he looked really, really, really like a rabbit in the headlights. Like he just like looked nervous and. Not sure what he was going to do. Well, the first ball, he just missed a straight one. I mean, that's not really what you want. The Indian declaration, I thought, was interesting. They came out for nine balls. after That's classic Shastri move. That's all Shastri. It's all Shastri. He's even said, he's even talked about this before, I think, about how it's great to do this. And, um, and, then, Sh- and then Shami taking off all his, you know, he's just, he's, he had his, calling for a new thigh pad after three balls of this spell of play. I mean, it was... There was a fair bit of gamesmanship. 
I'm not sure how far India plan to take this. I, I you know, I, I have a, I do have a, a slight concern that it can it can tip over into kind of boorishness. It it worked in this match, but I do think Kohliism as a kind of policy has its has its risks. I think Siraj in particular needs to calm down a little bit. I was really, on on Kohli, just before you move on, Amrita, I was just going to say that I was watching or listening, sorry, comments. Uh, about his style, and I think Nick Compton, former England opener, had, had sort of piped up on Twitter to complain about being sworn at in 2012. But interestingly, Mark Taylor at Old Tabs came out in support of Coley's style, saying he he likes, and I'm not surprised that Mark Taylor's saying this, by the way, but he he loves the he, the line. There's the you line. Tubby, he loves to tubs. take it to the line, and it's competitive and it's in your face kind of cricket. Well, Darren can tell us where the line is exactly. <laughs> oh, everyone knows where the line is. Everyone in Australia. What are you guys talking about? You don't know what the line is? There's a line. <laughs> yeah, Whatever I call the line, know, that's the line. For the... I push it to the edge. That's my. That's the line. <laughs> you can't go over yeah, it, okay? Fair enough. Um, but yeah, I do, I do, I, you know, I, I worry a little bit about it. I think, yeah, they have to, they have to get the balance right. I, I mean, it's, it's fine for the most part, but you know, when, when you've got Ajinkya Rahane and Rohit Sharma joining in, then I kind of think, it's maybe, it's maybe <laughs> going a little too far. Jumping on the bandwagon. Yeah. It's not their no, style, is it really? Not at all. Uh, we'll know it's gone too far when Pujara starts uh, starts chirping. I think I think Siraj is, is is someone who pushes the line. I wouldn't be surprised if I he think gets, he needs to turn it down. You know, really actually. in someone's face. I mean, the whole, face. the whole shushing thing is just, I'm not sure he understands. <laughs> I think that's, that's just... I, I really hate that as a sense. I mean, what is he? Was he talking no, to him? He wasn't doing anything, right? Johnny Besto made it clear a... that they had, they hadn't said a word to each other during during the innings, and and I think I'm not sure Siraj actually maybe doesn't understand that it can be perceived. Maybe he needs a new celebration, it's, like Sheldon Cultural, yeah, something yeah, like that. Just, you know, it's the, a bit aggressive, isn't it? The whole thing. Yeah, it's, it's a it's weird, weird. I mean, obviously, he feeds on this this. Back to Toby's point, he feeds on this idea that there's that they're out to get him, or that he, you know they've slighted him somehow, and he maybe feeds on that kind of. Well, thing, I think you know? he's saying he's shushing um, his critics, but he doesn't have any critics. He's done so. Yeah, who's criticizing? <laughs> Everyone exactly. loves Mohammed Siraj. He's <laughs> I mean, when I when I saw him first play, I was when we talked about him. Right, I was like, this yeah, guy's going to be. He's done great. so well. I mean, he didn't bowl with a hard ball until he, until 2015. I read. Which which is just ridiculous. I mean, honestly, I think Boomer is very similar, right? I don't think he grew yeah, up. Yeah, I mean, ball, they are. Was he more a gully cricketer? Well, this is the thing, right? That it's funny, isn't it? Because the Indian batting often looks straight out of the manual, especially compared to some of the English batsmen. Uh, but the bowling is really homegrown. It's really kind of eclectic. A quick word on on KL Rahul, who's uh, batted beautifully. Uh, very. I will hold up my hand. I did not see him coming back to the Indian Test team. Did not see him batting like that. Uh, very good to see. Yeah, I was. I mean, it's been a real stand-up this series that Rowett and KL Rahul have done quite well at the top, which I think that was a big concern before the series. They might end up being, you know, one or two down for not many, um, but they've done well so far. Got to say, leading they're leading well. That you know they're playing the ball when they need to play it and, and selecting the ball to hit. It's been pro- quite impressive. Yeah, they, they've done well. I mean, you again. Another thing is, I can't. You can't criticize the non-selection of Ashwin right now because. The, f- the four-pace bowler strategy is working for India. And if that's the case, uh, you, j- you just can't really play Ashwin at number seven, I don't think. Yeah, and Ashwin's batting has really come off the ball in the last couple of years. So away, yeah, probably... away from home particularly. Although he did he did bat out that day in, was it Sydney or wherever it mm, was? True. Um, but he's not good enough to bat at number seven, whatever it is. 
Um, so India's only real concerns are, you know, that middle order, Pujara, Kohli, and Rahane. And, you know, I, I do feel like it's, it's, it might be time to, to try out uh, another option, uh, particularly for Rahane. I feel he's, even though he scored a 61, I feel like he's... Um, no, I thought Rahane did really well in the second dig, so I think they'll keep him in. I, I don't think they'll change anybody in the team unless they have to rotate. I don't somebody. think they will, but yeah. I think it will continue to be a problem for them because even though they did well, they still looked uh, tentative throughout. Who else is in the squad? Is, is Shankar in the squad? Uh, they've got Mayank Agarwal on the sidelines. They've got Hanuma Vihari and they've got SKY as middle-order batsmen. Vihari. Yep, Vihari's there. Vihari, Vihari and, and Mayank are both can both play in the middle order and of course SKY and of course they've got Shubman Gill and Prithvi Shaw um, who you know so they but isn't, Shub- isn't Shubman Gill injured? I think he's I think he's fit now if I'm not mistaken maybe not anyway so but India you know the big question marks of course are around England Toby Dawid Malan is back uh, your friend Dom Sibley has finally been dropped Hasib Hamid is going to open Zach Crawley I'm a fan of Dawid Malan Zach Crawley's out I think he's great uh, what do you make of the changes? You just ran through the Indian bright spots there. A complete contrast to England in terms of their openers. And I mentioned Nick Compton, actually, who was playing in 2012. This problem England have with the, with the top three goes way back to Compton and even before. You know, they've really struggled to find partners for uh, Alistair Cook when he was around. And now uh, the, the chopping and changing at the top of the order. Uh, you know, Burns, Rory Burns scored uh, 49, I think, in the first innings at Lords. But he looks kind of... I don't want to say a shit or bust, but a shit or bust sort of player. You know, he's either getting very low scores or seems to come off. Don't you find it really difficult to watch Rory Burns and Dom Sibley very, back? Very I find it really like grating very, to very watch. And Sibley, and Sibley I know we've talked about him before. He's gone back to Warwickshire and has been let go from the squad. But they have twelve ducks this year between them, Sibley yeah. and Burns, and four t- fourteen. That's more than Ricky three. Ponting in his entire career, and that's the most top three ducks England have. Not scored, or whatever the right terminology is, in a calendar year. I think they've been given a chance too, right? They've, they've, they've both been given a pretty good run, and they're both averaging high twenties, right? So it's not sustainable. Big run, yeah. Uh, simply, simply the problem with him is that the playbook is quite thin. Uh, he's there to blunt the new ball when he does that, like his life depends on it. But he's only really able to score off his pads, and so unless you've got uh, poor bowlers, which in this case, in the Indian case, we do not have, um, his really scoring opportunities are low and he gets tied up and then and then he's out. So I think it's probably time for him to go. Um, and But the problem for Chris Silverwood is the options are not, not that great. Obviously, Milan comes in having not played for a number of years. I know he's been a big gun uh, in T20, but at 33, are you saying that the future of England's opening is David Milan? He scored a 199 against... Uh... Sussex, I believe. At Yorkshire, which is his home ground now, which is where the next test will be. So I guess that's something. But you know, he's not played any yeah, Europe. Apparently it was a very much a second string Sussex attack. Mm. So there's problems. Big problems. And I think the bowling is, you know, well, Joffrey Archer, a long-term injury issue. Mark Wood looks to be injured as well. Uh, um, Mahmood coming in to Ollie cover. Stone is out. No, no Stokes. Stokes. Chris Wokes. No Stokes and Wokes. So it's a bit of a problem. And, and I think broader problem is the schedule, and we'll get to the hundred in a bit. But you know, the fact that there's so much cricket going on, and there's so much time between Red Bull cricket, that it's clear that the Test matches are not the priority for the ECB, and we're kind of seeing that borne out in the results. Unfortunately, without Joe Root, England would have sunk without trace in the last two games, and so he's in the, he's in superb form at the moment. I think he's now rated uh, number two in World Test 
batsman rankings. Um, and so without him, I think England would be trouble. He's number two now in England's all-time run uh, scoring at 9,100, overtaking Graham Gooch. He is, yeah. It's a beautiful innings in the first in the first innings, wasn't it? In that 180 he scored. He was playing the ball so late, just beautifully under his eyes. He looked, he looked a million bucks. He looked so good to watch. Yeah, he looks in complete control out there. Um, he is, I suppose, well, Ollie Robinson maybe is the other bright spot. For England, I, th- I think he's bowled quite well. I worry though because uh, just a quick uh, while night to the Ashes. You know, Robinson has done well, but in English conditions, if you're bowling at 82 miles an hour in Australia with a kookaburra and it's baking hot and there's doing nothing off the seam, you're just going to get creamed all day. So I worry that you know, yes, it looks good in England, but there's no variety really, and so concerns all over for Chris Silverwood. Yep. So Headingley next week. Um, yeah, well, it'll be an interesting one, of course. Um, right, let's move on. Does anyone have anything to say in West Indies, Pakistan? It was a good match, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> you know what was really interesting is, um, I think I think I saw it, read it somewhere, and there was a very close test between Pakistan and West Indies a few years ago. And I think West Indies were nine down and had to bat out six balls to save the test. And Shannon Gabriel went for this almighty heave over mid-wicket and was bowled with six balls left in the innings. They had to save it. They were never going to win the game. They just had to bat out six balls. And Shannon Gabriel had batted quite well. And he went for this, I think it was off Yassir Shah. He goes for this massive slog sweep and gets bowled, right? Could you imagine the dressing room? Like he'd batted so well. They sort of were hanging out. One more over after this, mate. One more over, you know. He goes for this big slog sweep and gets bowled. But I think what, what we saw in this test was the opposite, wasn't it? It was this sort of gritty, defiant West Indies that's how he plays, though, isn't it? If it's in your zone, it's Rohit Sharma. It's the Rohit Sharma excuse. It's how I play. <laughs> it's how I play, buddy. Yeah. You love it when a number 10 says that. It's how I play. Sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, so Kimar Roach seeing West Indies home as Pakistan tried to defend 167 and almost defended 167. And Kimar Roach is, a num- is another real bunny. So it's been a good week for the... Uh, for the tailenders. For the bunnies, yeah. The tailenders Here's Union. to the bunnies. Here's to the bunnies. Uh, and on that note, Darren, let's talk about Australia's series in Bangladesh. Which one? Where, well, the, the T20s, they lost all of them. Is that right? They lost 4-1 to Bangladesh. 4-1. Bangladesh. Sorry. My apologies. They lost 4-1 and then... And, and then they lost there was 4-1 the... to the West Indies as well before that. So they, they, they went for the West Indies and they flew in a bubble to Bangladesh with the same squad. A much depleted squad, it must be said, but still, um, they were very poor indeed. I mean, the only, I mean, Mitchell Marsh batted at three. He he was on fire. I think he scored a whole bunch of fifties. Uh, he was the only one really. And some of the bowlers did okay. Hazelwood did okay in some of the games, and so did Agar and uh, Zampa. But the rest of the rest of the bats batters looked very weak. Uh, the T Twenty squad has been announced. Any surprises? No, I think it's, it's as, as we expected. The bowler there is Josh English, uh, Josh Inglis, who has looked good in the Big Bash, had a good seri- series in the um, in the 100, actually, right? He scored 100, or was that in the T20 uh, for his club? So he's, he's the wicketkeeper batsman. He's in the squad. And the rest, as you'd expect, uh, all your stalwarts are there. there. Steve Smith, Warner, you know, Maxwell, Cummins, uh, Stark, all, all the stalwarts you'd expect would be there. It's obviously a much strengthened squad going into the World Cup, but yeah, Australia just seems to have no idea about finishing a game. So they have a they've had a middle order problem forever in T20. They haven't been able to solve it. 
the bowling is kind of okay. The, the top of the order is, is kind of okay. Good spinners, really the, I think. Yeah, the middle there is really, really tough. They, they just don't know how to have – they don't have those finishes like a, pan, a Hardik Pandya or Pollard. What about or, Ashton Turner? Wasn't he the guy? Oh, he's is that crap. his name? He, oh, really? he had a great – was that in Mahali, that, that yeah. brilliant innings he scored? And I think he's hanging his hat on that. Since then, he's done F4. Um, so he's out of the squad. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, you know, on the form we saw recently, and it's, it, by the way, it would be a whole, almost a whole different team in the World Cup final, but you wouldn't think they'd do very well. It was very poor performance. Yes, and off-field, plenty of off-field stuff going on. Video gate. Uh, so tell us exactly what's happened with that, because – from what I understand, at Cricket Australia, the media manager, I, f- I saw his name, I can't remember it now, Gavin Dovey, is that it? He's, like the, that. he's the manager of the team manager. Oh, he's a team manager, right. So it's a Cricket Australia media manager put up a video of the Bangladesh team celebrating yes, or singing the their team, team, the team song. song after they, they'd won the Series 3-0. And this went down really badly with uh, Gavin Dovey and with Justin Langer. But to be fair, I think Justin Langer didn't really get involved in it. It was more Gavin Dovey who had a big shouting match in the lobby of the hotel, apparently, with the media manager, from Cricket Australia. I thought Justin Langer threatened the media manager there. That's I what think I read. He maybe he came in. He threatened him. He said, he, he said, if you do this again, then, then you know, You're I'm out. coming for you. You're not the boss of me. Um, yeah. He should and just so get back to running is, the team. Um, this is really out of character for Justin Langer um, because, yeah. you know, he's such a chilled out entertainer. He's an entertainer. Like so David this was Brent. followed by an explosive story from Malcolm Conn who was the Cricket Australia media manager for six months or something like that. He did an interim shift. Uh, and he, he, he spilled the beans on, uh, on, Justin, on Justin Langer and said that he was grumpy, he would explode. He was and most baffling of all, which I think we can all kind of uh, agree with to an extent, right, from what we've seen of Justin Langer. He really focuses on really minor details and... and and, and gets quite bent out of shape. Where, where does it leave Justin Langer, Darren? I don't know. I mean, it, I'm not privy to what's going on in the inner sanctum, but it's, there's a lot of these sort of stories coming out. It hasn't been now. It's been for a couple of years that he's very intense with the players. Some of them don't really respond to it. They're, they're not sure which Justin they'll get, like whether he's going to be fired up and you know a bit aggressive or he's going to be chilled out. So that, that makes it a bit difficult. And you just think with all these stories coming out, and we wouldn't be saying anything if Australia was doing well. And Australia is not doing well. And for Cricket Australia's CEO to come out and say we've done well recently is just farcical. He came out with a statement saying we've done – where have we done well? We lost at home to India against a second-string team. He, he said we've done well best. when we have our players. <laughs> Which is – no one has their players these days, right? No one has their full squad usually. I think it's, it's ridiculous to say that. Look at our rankings. You know, Test cricket is not too bad, but one-day cricket and, and, and T20 in particular is poor. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. Yeah, well, his contract runs until next summer. I suspect they'll just let it go until then, right? And yeah, then, I mean, but if it gets worse, I mean, if it gets, this is very distracting for the players, you'd imagine. I mean, this is not a good place to be if you're having all these conversations going on around the camp. Yeah, it's, and they're clearly leaking, right? They're clearly leaking. And I'm, leaking I'm pretty sure he's still not feeling like Superman today. Uh, he's probably yeah. feeling more like a depleted Clark Kent. Maybe um, Aquaman. I don't know. Yeah, Clark Kent. <laughs> maybe Batman. Maybe Batman. Maybe yeah. Robin. Yeah, it's it's a tough one because I think the the culture he grew we've talked about this before right the culture that justin langer thrived and succeeded in is it's quite different from the love cafe generation it is but again we, we're not you know we're not that it's really hard for us to say whether it's a couple of disgruntled people or whether that's everybody thinks the same way 
but I think it boils down to performance. There's a very interesting article by Mike Atherton, actually, I read, which was basically uh, careful what you wish for if you get rid of coaches like this, because he drew parallels with Andy Flower at England, who's a very intense, very detail-oriented guy, rubbed the people out the wrong way, but got results. And I guess, we'd say, as you just said, the results maybe not quite there yet, but actually, you know, as teams grow and we're, you know, Sandpaper Gate is now God, three years ago, you know, the, the team needed to have changes made and, and Langer was that strong uh, personality to maybe do that. Maybe his time it, it being a strong voice is probably ending, but you know, what, what comes next? And, you know, do you want that driven edge of sort of a proven winner, AKA Superman or, you know, the unknown of what comes after. So it's an interesting angle. Yeah, and I just thought with with a couple of World Cups coming up in basically two years, right? T20, especially Australia would have put more energy around their T20 squad and sort of getting it right. I think they expected the World Cup to go ahead last year to a degree. They say brought in Andrew McDonald. They were sort of training for that T20 World Cup in Australia, where it was going to be. Obviously, it's been delayed until next year. But they geared up towards that, and they were looking quite good, and they've just totally lost the plot on it. You know, they're ranked number six now in T20. They probably lost that. You know, they're ranked number three in ODIs and tests, but that's not that's not good enough for the Australian public. We'd expect to be you know, up in the top one or top two, right? Yeah, it just I think it's sort of performance at the moment and then there's it's all these things leaking out, so I'm not sure uh, what's going to happen with Justin. I, you know, like you said, I guess he's going to stay until his contract's up, but if it gets worse, you, you figure they have to sort of um, cauterize the wound, right? Otherwise, it's very distracting. Mm. All right. Ultra exits, Toby. Very sad news about John Woodcock. Uh, yeah, so John Woodcock, for, the, for listeners that maybe not, quite familiar with John Woodcock. John Woodcock uh, was, uh, passed away last week at the age of 94, uh, very long-standing um, times so you, in, the, in London, the Times of London, writer on cricket. He was born in 1926 and um, uh, England won the Ashes for the first time since the First World War, uh, 11 days after his birth. And that just gives you a sense of how long this guy has been around the game. Um, he's had a piece published in the Times for 66 successive years, including one last year. And he never used a computer and still rattled out his pieces on a portable typewriter on the long table in his oak beamed dining room in Hampshire. So he's been around such a long time in pre-war as well. So yes, he was known as the the Sage of Long Ash, which is the village he was born in, in Hampshire, in in England, and the village in which he also passed away. So a long, long, uh, history with cricket. Uh, he started um, in the early days of cricket broadcasting, commentating on the 1948 Ashes series, which is Bradman's farewell tour for BBC. Um, but apparently, he said he said to the scorer, he said, "I was hopeless." He recalled, and Jim, who's Jim Swanson, who's the Daily Telegraph uh, correspondent at the time, would say, "And now for the approximate bowling figures." So the a- accuracy wasn't a big deal uh, on TV back then. Uh, and a final tribute from Michael Henderson, a former cricket correspondent of the Daily Telegraph, of Woodcock, said he could well be the most knowledgeable writer on any sport there's ever been. So praise indeed and uh, rest in peace, John Woodcock, or Wooders, as he's known to his friends. I was going to say. Yeah, just a quick note, Chris Cairns is off life support after heart surgery. He was not doing very well, um, but apparently is in somewhat better condition now. That's good news. Yes, indeed. Okay, um, right, let's do the quick hits. We've got Ultra Good, Ultra Bad, and Ultra Edge. Can it be that our Ultra Good segment is going to be about the 100? Uh, Darren, I think you, you've got to take this because Toby and I were 
consistent in our opposition to this format. And as always, you 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 were you suggested we should give it a chance. Give peace a chance. Um, <laughs> I, to be honest, I've only watched bits and pieces here and there. So if if we're going to say it's a, I don't know if it's a winner, it's a win for the. Okay, what it has done for sure, and it's brought in younger crowd. They've had it live on TV, so the the kind of engagement in the audience has been good. It's been great for women's cricket. I think it's it's elevated women's cricket up the agenda, and I, and they've had those on the same days as the men's games. It's fun. Like I must say, it's fun to watch. Um, I kind of like the graphics and everything. Uh, I think it's quite a nice. But I just think to myself, I, I watch it and I think to myself, why can't they just do this to T20 in England? Yeah, I know. That's, that's I think the, the problem you have with a T20 in England is you have there's too many teams in the first division, right? So if you look at Australia or Australia's not a great example, they're ranked number six in the world, right? But if you look at India, they only have eight clubs, right, in the IPL, which means that they have to put their best players forward with some international players as well. So it's a very high-level competition. I've watched some of the, the T20 blasts. There's a lot of players there who are just kind of like, you know, they're good players, obviously, but they're not, they're not international standard. So I wonder if they can't, why do they have to have the 100 when it doesn't make any sense? So the thing, thing about it is test cricket to one day cricket, huge difference, right? Five days to one day, even 50 overs to 20 overs is a big difference, right? It's from a full day, basically to a half a day or less. This is a, it shaves off 20% of the time, right? So what, what's the point of it? Why don't they jazz up T20 with some of the learnings they've got from the 100 and put it in there and make it a bit more appealing? And, and the Big Bash in Australia has done very well with families. Like I take my brother's kids and they love it because there's kiss cam and there's dance cam and there's all this stuff they can do around it. There's a, a carnival atmosphere. Um, there's non-drinking area. There's non-alcohol areas. So you can take your kids there if you want to. So it's really a, a kind of a festival atmosphere. So I just don't know why they couldn't take the learnings from the 100 into the T20 in England and, and do something different. I liked it. I thought it was a good experiment, but I just don't know if it has longevity. What do you guys think? I'm always impressed with how well cricket is marketed in Australia. Really creative, actually. And I think, you know, the, the, the makers of the 100 have taken some of the good bits of that. And, you know, as you say, it's very colourful. Um, it's very um, open to new audiences. I still think there are problems with boozy lads night out sort of things. I think Lords have banned people bringing in alcohol, for example. So they're trying to make it as friendly as possible. I think the women's side of it has attracted more family atmospheres than the men's. But I think I've had a couple of friends that have been and they said it's basically like going to a vitality game at the Oval after work, you know, except it's 100 balls and that's the difference. And so, as you say, it's paper thin in the differences and will it last? I think T20's here to stay. I don't think the 100 is. Yeah, the thing is, it was supposed to bring in a new demographic of fans. And, and in particular, they talked about bringing in minorities, maybe people who weren't so interested in the drinking culture and women and things like that. And I'm not sure that's happened at that to that extent. We, we will find out, I suppose, when the, when we get more stats. And I think your demos are quite good. If you look at, there's an article in the Cricket Monthly um, that spells it out. And I think because it was, it was free to air. And so what, a lot of it is, is it just because it was free to air, right? Is that why you have... This engagement with different audiences, right? Yeah. So on TV, and, yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's a sure. pretty good article from um, Emma John, and and she talks about how she took her, I think, her friend and her cousin, and they went along the some of the women to to look at the game, and they really enjoyed it. So that once they sort of understood the rules, they actually got into it and actually made them want to look at Test cricket and some other stuff. So I kind of get it, but I just wonder why we can't do that with the T Twenty, right? So that the, the, the ECB will say the stats are good. You know, there was a record of, eight, I think, about 8,000 people for the first women's professional game. 
which is the highest in England ever. So again, but is it because of the budgeting? So they did, they were doing bus, outdoor bus ads, TV ads. It was free to air. So was it a result of that kind of push in marketing or was it a result of the product? To my way of thinking, if we can get T20 in England to something like the Big Bash or the IPL, where you have eight franchises in the main league, maybe there's a second division, right? But you've got to have the best players in those in those in that top eight teams to really watch people watch the quality of cricket. And I think it suffers as well because you didn't have a lot of the test players available. A lot of the international players didn't come because of COVID. I think what's what happening with a, with the Big Bash at the moment. The Big Bash seems to go on longer. Less international players play. Uh, less, less, less of the international Australian players play. Less people are coming from overseas to play in the tournament, so it's almost like diminishing returns. They're getting less viewership per game than before, so they're trying to do more games to make up for it. So, I think they could always do with an injection IPL style. Yeah, otherwise, you've just got good county players playing against good county players, which you get in the vitality blast anyway. So it's a self perpetuating issue, isn't it? Without those top stars. Yep, indeed. But I, I, if I was them, I'd be taking the learnings from hundred and putting it into the T20 because T20 is the, is a global game. I, I don't think the hundred is going to be a global game. There's no way that hundred will, is going to be happening in India. I mean, never say never, but it would seem unlikely. Maybe it'll go to the Olympics. Who no, knows? why would it? I mean, the Olympics <laughs> would definitely be T20, right? Or T10. T10, maybe. Uh, we'll talk about that in a second. Let's talk about ultra bad. It's Yorkshire County Cricket Club. Um, we have discussed the Yorkshire racism issue before. Azim Rafiq, who um, alleged uh, he he was the victim of of, of plenty of racism uh, at Yorkshire. The club has completed its report uh, into racism at the club, but has decided not to release it, uh, and this has caused kind of uproar. Uh, the ECB had to, c- to come out with a, I don't know if it was a public statement, or they wrote to Yorkshire and they said, uh, we want a timeline for when you plan to release the report. Um, Yorkshire has uh, kind of apologised to Azim Rafiq for inappropriate behaviour, hasn't said anything about racism, offered profound apologies, but didn't say what for. Uh, Rafiq has said that the positions of Mark Arthur Yorkshire Chief Executive and Martin Moxon, Director of Cricket, are untenable. Um, he said uh, he said that the, 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 he's uncomfortable with several aspects of Yorkshire's statement. He'd like to know which allegations have been upheld, which have been not. Terming what went on as inappropriate behaviour doesn't sit right. It was racist behaviour. They should say so. And of course, the fact they're not publishing the report is... They, they will say, because it's it's not a judicial review, they, they are subject to legal liability. Apparently, there are aspects of the report, according to media reports, that would leave Yorkshire open uh, in terms of some of the racist behaviour of players and uh, coaches and, and others involved in Yorkshire County Cricket Club. So, yeah, Yorkshire has not handled this well from the beginning. They, they have tried to sweep it under the carpet. I mean, I don't know if you had a, a, anything more to say on it. So. Well, it's something we've covered for a while now, isn't it, on ultras? And I think just the way that Yorkshire have handled it, as you say, has been surprising. Um, you know, as you say, they were trying to whitewash this out of, out, out of existence in many ways, and were very poor language coming from the administrators to not then subsequently uh, deliver this report in public, which carried out by and this is the the most classic law firm you'll ever hear, Squire Patton Boggs. It just had to be a law firm, 
Uh, oh, they're American, <laughs> actually, of, uh, weirdly put, enough. They're put DC together that, okay, well, at great expense, I'm sure. Um, but I, I imagine that, that, that Yorkshire's legal representatives have, had, have said, as you, as you, the employer, had a duty of care over these individuals. And let's, let's remember, this, this is just one of potentially a number of um, allegations, number of players over a long period. And other counties will also be watching this uh, with concern because I'm sure that it won't just be isolated to, to Yorkshire, sadly. No. And, and certainly not to Azim Rafiq, even. I mean, they can just, you know, they can redact stuff and publish. There are, there are several ways I think they can, they can do it. Um, so anyway, yeah, more dis- discouraging news at Yorkshire. Uh, and then finally, Ultra Edge. Okay. Cricket at the Olympics is back on the agenda, guys, for the LA Olympics, uh, in 2028. People have talked about cricket at the Olympics before. I think Tendulkar turned up in Rio one year. But the Olympics weren't even on then, but he turned up anyway. <laughs> for the they buffet. Were, there, there was a buffet. You beat me to it. <laughs> An Olympic buffet. <laughs> had a pretty good buffet there. Churrasca. Yeah, so anyway. Uh, and then um, there's been talk about women's cricket in particular at the Olympics. But now there's a, there's a working group so that you know they're taking it seriously. The ICC has put together a five-person working group. Most importantly, the BCCI has said that it's on the same page as the ICC. Well, the BCCI is, yeah, I know that is a, it's, well, it's a first in general. The BCCI has always been the problem. I think they've never wanted the Olympics because they worried about what it would mean for their, uh, gargantuan TV and media rights. It might happen, but there are lots of questions that would need answering. I think like what? in terms of, well, okay, maybe not lots, but the format would be the number one question, I think. Sure. Uh, T20, T10. Then you ask, then you need to know how many teams, right? Is it going to be eight? Is it going to be 10? Is it going to be 12? Whatever. Would they be qualifying? I guess they'd qualify and they'd, they'd have to decide though how many teams they had and you'd qualify somehow. And then, you know, they'd have to coordinate with the ICC, right? Maybe it's based on rankings. Yeah, and then the number one question is, will Virat Kohli queue for breakfast? Probably not. Um, I imagine they'll have a little... The Australian Olympic Village had like a coffee-making love cafe sort of thing in their own What, before they trashed it? Yeah, before they trashed it. Uh, (laughs) It was based based on the caffeine consumed... They trashed the walls and <laughs> they did. Broke they the got beds. Adam Zamper in as a barista. Somebody, somebody in the Germany team stole the koala or something, or the kangaroo, That's right. or whatever. Yeah, yeah, stole the, um, stole the koala. Was it? Yeah. I don't know if it was a blow up koala. But so anyway. I hope, I hope um, it's T, I mean, if it's T twenty, how does a tournament work? So you got to get it done in basically two weeks. I think it's got to no, be T ten, man. T twenty is four hours long. Yeah, I know softball and baseball. They kind of start a couple of days earlier before the opening ceremony. You could do a T twenty tournament. Baseball and softball is very similar. It's a three hour game. Okay. Yeah. Do you remember the 1998 Commonwealth Games, anyone, in Kuala Lumpur? I don't. Because cricket, cricket was uh, included in the Commonwealth Games in 1998 in KL. Australia sent a team. Yeah. We used to play in Guangzhou on the, in the Asian Games, right? So we, we played in Guangzhou on the pitch they built for that in Guangzhou. Yeah, that, was, that happened. India didn't send a team for that, but they did in 1998 yeah. for KL. And South Africa won that tournament. Hmm. Um, so it has happened, although I think they played 50 overs. I mean, I think it'll just be such a boon for the women's game. I hope if, if nothing else, they put the women, the women through, I mean, it'd be great for the women to, you know, elevate the game even further. So, you know, I think it'll happen. It seems to be, they're going to put in the Commonwealth games, aren't they? The next one as well, just to sort of, will they be doing T20 in Commonwealth games? I guess so. Um, yeah, I'm not sure. So cricket has appeared at the Olympics 
And you've got you've got to have cricket at, at Brisbane. Congratulations yeah. to Bris Vegas, by the way. That caught me by surprise. They've yeah. got to have that. I'm going to move. I might be moving back there for that time period, maybe. Superb. Hang out. You, could, you could be a yeah cricket ultra correspondent in in twenty <laughs> years or whatever scene. it is. Yeah, pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, so cricket wall. appeared at the 1900 Olympics in Paris. It featured two teams. Great Britain was represented by the Devon and Somerset Wanderers Club. My God, so it was Mickey Mouse. The other team was France, comprising staffers from the British Embassy in Paris. Well, that's where cricket was invented, wasn't it, in France? Uh, I don't know about that, really. So Birmingham 2022, they're going to have the T20. Okay. All right. Yeah, so I well, they can do T20. Yeah. Anyway, so we all think it's a good idea. You know, they could do both, actually, right? You could have two two variations of cricket like you do in other sports, right? But I think T20, T10 is just too Mickey Mouse for me. They could just have bowl-offs, maybe. <laughs> bowl-offs and bat-offs? Yeah. Super over. <laughs> yeah, just have super overs. Do you think there'd be an age limit, like in football? Like under 23s oh. only? No, probably not, right? I think it's under 23 with a few... Isn't three, have I think you can have three, three players over 23. Yeah, it's weird. I yeah. always get confused. Yeah. But football, the problem I find with sports of the Olympics, the sports for which the Olympics is not the pinnacle, mm. often, yeah, you know, they don't get the same That's level true. of interest at the like Olympics. Like basketball. Basketball and football. Yeah, you're totally right. Basketball and football. I mean, cricket, men's cricket might be the same thing, whereas I, I feel that for the women's game, it'll be much more of a kind of taken more the seriously yeah baseball's another one you could say, yeah baseball you know. people don't take it seriously right yeah so right. anyway anyway but I, but on the on the other side it would give um india and pakistan and some of these countries a chance to win some olympic medals yeah and, and if it's under 23 or under 21 it could be kind of interesting right yeah yeah all right excellent any more i think that's a lot it is it's 47 minutes but no fat at all um, thank you, gentlemen, and we will be back. Sorry for the long um, delay between ultras, everyone. I, uh, I, I I managed to to injure myself and fracture my collarbone, so that has has kept us in a collision playing field. football. We might add, yeah, it wasn't not, from not a, a bouncer. Not a it wasn't from a bouncer. No, I you were going to say yeah, taking a, a screamer at fifth slip or something, but uh, football. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been far more glamorous. He dived over the boundary line and saved a six. No, into those advertising hoardings. It's yeah, dangerous. Right, slide in. It's quite dangerous, um, but anyway, yeah, it's, it's it's slowed us down. We've we've been I've I've been having a to rehab, and you know I only just got the BCCI clearance for being what is it <laughs> clinically fit? What was it? Clinically fit, yeah. Clinically fit, yeah. I'm not quite clinically fit yet, but anyway, thank you all for listening. We'll be back soon.